church that believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what God speaks to us, we choose to not only give a mental assent to, but to obey. Amen. So uh, this morning, if that's you, then just uh, maybe things do look like a mess. But God's got it in control. And that's part of what I want to talk about this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you're either online or in the house, if you'd like to turn to Mark in chapter 6, and we're going to pick it up in verse 45. I used to think when people got their phones out at this point, they were texting their relatives. Now I realise you're reading the Bible, praise the Lord. So it's not a... Yeah, says who? Yeah, well... Any more of that, we'll cut the Wi-Fi off. That's all. Bless the Lord. I want to show you today how the disciples go from faith to fear. How they go from excitement to exhaustion. They go from rejoicing to moaning. Does that sound familiar to anyone this morning? That somehow we find ourselves in a blessed place and then all of a sudden, within a blink of the eye, it doesn't seem to be so blessed anymore and things to be, seem to be going south, as they say. So chapter 6 of Mark's Gospel and verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and to go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when he saw them... Uh, when, he, when they saw him on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage in his eye, do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves and the fishes. Their hearts were hardened. When they crossed over and landed at Gennesaret and anchored there, as soon as they got there, out of the boat people recognized Jesus they ran from the whole region and carried their sick on their mats to whoever heard that he was there and whoever went into the villages and towns and countryside they placed the sick in the marketplaces they begged him to let them touch even the hedge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed let's pray shall we father this morning would you just minister your words to us that are here in the house to those that are listening online wherever they find themselves in this world Lord, would you just let your word be powerful and change us forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning to those who are online and especially those who are listening from Pakistan. We know there's a church listening in from Pakistan. Isn't that good? Bless the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Pakistan this morning. Good stuff. Rich wants to get on the plane. I said I'd rather Zoom it, okay? That's okay. <laughs> let me just give you the back story to the story. As you remember, the disciples have been commissioned by Jesus to go into the towns and the villages and to minister to all those that are fined. And to their amazement, they come back rejoicing because even the demons are subject to them and they have healed the sick. And not only is it coming from Jesus' hands now, it's coming from their hands. He's commissioned them to take his name and to go and do the miracles that he's doing. And so they got very, very excited and they were about to go into a team meeting. Anybody been in a team meeting at work? There's a lot of talking goes on in them team meetings, amen? So they were going into a team meeting, but unfortunately the team meeting got a little bit hijacked because hundreds and thousands of people saw that it was Jesus. And so they were off to this solitary place to have some food and, and, and tea and coffee and biscuits and have put the PowerPoint up and get a debrief. And all of a sudden they find out there are thousands of people there that are really hungry. And we saw this the other week, how Jesus 
ministers to the needs of these people. And 5,000 men, along with the men and the children on top of that, were fed that day. And there was overflow, praise the Lord. When Jesus is about, there is always overflow. So at this point, the disciples are rocking and rolling, as they say. They, they've seen miracles. And now they've handed out bread and fish, and it's multiplied in their hands. So they are an excited bunch of people. In verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. So what is happening here? Jesus, in the midst of all their excitement, all the stuff that's been going on in their lives, all the miracles that have been seen at their hands, he packs them off in the boat and he alone stops with the crowd. Now, you would think that's a bit rum of Jesus, wouldn't you? You know, you would have thought he would let the disciples enjoy the moment. For goodness sake, th th these miracles have never been seen before anywhere. So you'd, you'd have thought that, you know, you know, when you see a football team and they've scored a, a fantastic win and they go off the pitch and all the, all the crowd's cheering, you know, perhaps the disciples should have had a bit of cheering and clapping going on. Well, I'm not certain why Jesus sent them away in the boat, but one thing I have learned is that what we are under the anointing is not what we are. This was not the work of the disciples. This was the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus in them and through them. And there are times that God allows us to co-labor with him, but we must not let, forget for one second, it's Jesus. It was nothing to do with us. I hate it when they say, you know, healing the evangelist so-and-so is coming on his jet plane, like as if he's something special. You know what? He's just broken and marred just the same as us. Because what we are under the anointing is not what we are. And I think Jesus wanted to make sure that these boys did not think that this had had anything to do with them. Because whatever Jesus does through your hands, however miraculous it might be, however wonderful it might be, let's just remember one thing. All the praise and all the honour needs to go to Jesus. That's why he sent them away. It was nothing to do with them boys. After leaving them, he went up the mountainside to pray. Notice, after all this miraculous stuff, you, you, you'd have thought that Jesus would have, you know, written a blog. Or, 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 or got onto Instagram with some pictures. Hashtag feeding the 5,000. Hashtag revival. Hashtag come to Capernaum next. It's all on the roll. Now Jesus connected with his father again. Because Jesus knew, and he's modelling something for us, he knew that the power and the miracles come from God alone you know it's not about whipping them up it's about being in touch with the father we often read this passage of scripture Jeremiah 29 about the plans that God has for us declares the Lord and then we, we kind of stop halfway through he says then you will call on me and come to pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart I will be found of you declares the Lord Jesus is showing his disciples that you, you need to connect with God. If you are going to see the best for your life, if you're going to see God's purposes unfold, as Andy had said through the prophetic word, it's not enough to look at the folding map. You've got to follow the map. And sometimes you need the compass of the Holy Spirit, don't you, to, to be helping you to, to do that. And so, you know, Jesus went up to that mountain and he just began to speak to his father again. If you read the, the gospel narratives through, it, would, it almost seemed that Jesus is on this random path. He seems to go from one place to the other. If you plot it on a map, it looks like he does this. Like, ain't Jesus, ain't Jesus got a plan? 
doesn't he doesn't he know that it's no good going that way to come all the way back this way? No, he was moved by the Holy Spirit, listening to the heart of the Father. Some people might look at me and say, Steve, you're a bit random. Listen, I would rather look random, but no, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit than make it look like I've got a plan and be nowhere. This church looks like it's been a bit random the last two years, didn't you? I'm, I'm glad God's with us, amen? And he's been leading us and showing us some new things. But he wants to show his disciples that, you know, that the miraculous is born out of intercession with the Father and listening to what the Father wants to do. You know what? God's got some plans this morning for us. We just need to tune in. Prayer is not this monologue. You know, you stand there. God bless the church. God bless everybody with COVID. God bless the Ukrainians. And it's like, the, it's like a shopping list by the time you've finished and you're worn out. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and let God speak to us. Because his sheep hear his voice and then he starts to direct us suddenly by his mighty hand. And you know what? Well, one word from God will change everything. Like we pray as if we're telling God some stuff he doesn't already know. You know, he knew the Ukraine war was going to happen. You know that, don't you? And he knows how it's going to finish. And he's got it in the, in the palm of his hand. We just need to cry out to him and find out what the answer is. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. There was some distance now between him and the disciples. I don't know how they managed in them days. There was no email. I mean, how does that work? There was no mobile phones and there wasn't even a radio on the boat. He's on the mountain. They're in the middle of the lake. But he's given them a word, hasn't he? He said, I want you to go ahead of me. So they don't have Jesus in the boat, but they have his word. Sometimes you don't see Jesus, but you know you have to stand firm on his word. Sometimes it doesn't feel like Jesus is near. Sometimes it feels like he's a whole long way away. But Lord, when we've got his word, we've got everything, haven't we? Because he keeps his word. He is the word. It's not like when I give my word and then sometimes I keep it and sometimes I don't. I try my best to keep it, but we all have our faults and failures. But the word of God will never ever return to him empty, but will accomplish that which he has purposed it. So when Jesus tells them to go to the other side of the lake, they're going, aren't they? He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. See, life is not always a picnic where Jesus provides the sandwiches. You listen to some preachers, it sounds a bit like that, doesn't it? Sometimes you go from the mountaintops and from the miracles to a storm and it's just in the blink of an eye. How often has your walk with God been like that? You've been in absolute blessing and then within two minutes, it's like you're in absolute despair. It was all great and then you had one text. You had one letter from the consultant, you had one bill drop through the door or I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me this morning or you had one accusation that wasn't true isn't it amazing how you can do a thousand things right and somebody points out something and accuses you of something that you know is not true but yet you feel completely destroyed by it I want to tell you this morning this is for somebody the enemy is the accuser of the brethren if he can get you under accusation he can get you fearing and trembling listen look up Jesus is with us this morning amen and he's not accusing you of anything. Do you remember Jesus? Even the woman in adultery caught in the very act. He said, does nobody condemn you? He said, neither do I condemn you. He's not accusing her of anything. He just said, go sin no more. God's on our side this morning. I just felt that there's somebody here and you feel like you've been under accusation. Listen, don't worry about the accusation. It's not true. And God will uphold you. Bless his name. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. 
I want you to notice this. He didn't go out to them right away. He left them for a bit. Does it feel sometimes like that you're in a bit of a storm and the Lord's left you a little bit? And you think to yourself, what, what's he doing here? Why is he left me in the middle of the lake? Can't he see that the winds are howling and the, the waves are nearly crashing over the back? Can't he see that I'm in trouble and I'm pulling against these oars? Can't he see the trouble that I am in? But Jesus wants to see his disciples use some of the teaching that he's already given them and, and use some of the faith that he's already installed into them because of the miracles they have already seen. You know, our faith is not known until it's tested. You could tell me you've got all the faith in the world, but I'll tell you something, when you stand at a graveside, then you know when your faith is tested. Or when you're in the consultant's office, you know when your faith is tested. Or when the money runs out and there's no money to pay the bills, then you know when your faith is tested. Listen, God is not going to let you down. He's not let you down yet, and he's not about to now. But our faith sometimes gets tested in the midst of a storm. It's not the fact that Jesus is with us, but you know what? Sometimes we come out of that other tide of that testing, and we are stronger and bigger and greater for going through what God has allowed us to go through. I mean, the amazing thing for, for me here is that it says this, Jesus was about to walk past. Not only are they in trouble, he's going to walk by. See ya. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? that you know, you're in the boat, you're in the storm, and someone's like Jesus goes, see you later. You're in the middle of something and you just feel like you can't get out of it. He was going to pass them by. I just carry on walking. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought it was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. How fearful they had become to the point that their fear obscured their view of Jesus. You know, fear can overtake you in such a way that nothing makes sense. That you can't even discern Jesus in it. And some, I'm, I'm, talking for, I'm not talking now about Christians who know nothing. I'm talking about you who've served God for a long, long time. We've all been through it where things have so overtaken us and crept into our lives. And we've believed God for 30, 40 years, but a moment of fear can sometimes just obscure his very face or, or, or the feeling that he's with us. Listen, it doesn't matter how you feel or how obscured he might look to you. Our God says he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. In the midst of the storm, he's still with us, isn't he? Because fear always fights against our faith and displaces our trust and puts in doubt. But God wants to encourage our hearts this morning. Jesus is with us. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. There's three things he says to them here is this. Take courage. I want to say to some of you this morning, you need to be encouraged in God today. Take courage. This is not the end. I've said it so many times to so many of you. This is not the end of the road. This is just a bend in the road. You can't see around them bends, can you? But round the bend, God has got plans. He's got purposes. He has not finished with us yet. He's not finished with you yet. Your job might seem like it's on the rocks. Your boss might be a nasty piece of work. You might feel that your leg's about to fall off with the arthritis. But it's not the end of the road. It's just a bend in the road. And God is going to meet us on the other side of that. So take courage. That's the first thing I want to say to you this morning. And the reason we can take courage is this, is what Jesus said. It's I. It's me. Do not be afraid. That's the third thing he says. I'm here, so don't let fear blind you. You know, they talk about blind panic, don't they? 
Fear can get you to such a place where you can't even see straight. And this is where these boys were that day. The winds and waves were blowing so hard. And these were strong Galilean fishermen. They knew what a storm was, and this was a storm and a half. Some of us have been through some storms in our Christian walk. And yet today, maybe you find yourself on something you think, I've never been here before. It's never been this rough. Makes no difference. Jesus is still watching over us. He was watching them from that hillside. He knew what he was going to do. And he was always going to sort them out. He was never going to let them drown, was he? And he climbed to the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Jesus finally sorted out the storm but it was never his intention to sort out the storm. He wanted them to sort out the storm. That sounds like a big statement. Let me say that again. Jesus sorted out the storm but it was never his intention for them, him to sort out the storm. He wanted them to sort out the storm. Because he wanted them to put in practice what they'd learned in the towns and villages and what they'd learned on that hillside, that if you will obey his word, he will look over his word to perform it. And it was him that told them to get into that boat. So if they're getting in that boat, they're getting out of the boat. Amen. Some of you in a situation and you felt, well, God led me here, but it's absolutely dreadful. Listen, if he's put you there, he can take you out of there. If you started with God, he'll finish it off. I'm not saying, if you in all his ways, in all your ways acknowledge him, he'll direct your paths. It might be that you have to go through some storms on the way, but you're coming out the other side. Press his wonderful name. And, and this incredible statement, for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. What they had not understood is that when they had gone into the towns and villages in Jesus' name, at his behest, and obeyed his word, miracles happened. When they stood on that hillside, incapable of doing anything but thinking about how much money it was going to cost to feed this great big crowd, at the, at the behest of Jesus, he made them sit the people down in hundreds and fifties on the ground and give out the bread and the fish. And as they did what Jesus asked them to do, the miracle happened in their hands. But in the middle of the storm, in a different sphere of their lives, they forgot all about that. They forgot about if they were obedient to the voice of Jesus, that Jesus always performs the miracle. He was never going to let them drown, was he? He was never going to let that happen in a million years. So it's really, really important that we understand that they did not understand the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. They did not understand that God wanted to work through them. And as believers, he does not want us just to sit here and have good services on a Sunday and listen to the preacher. He wants us to take the faith that we have and walk into our society and walk into this community and make an incredible difference at his word. Because God this morning is with us here in Sedgley, isn't he? He's wherever we gather together in his name, in faith, he's there right in the midst of us. They had not understood that if they just relied on faith in Jesus, that this storm could have been stilled all by itself. At their word, Jesus was trying to teach them that faith needed to re replenish fear. And for some of us, our faith is strong in some areas, isn't it? Their faith was strong in the fact that they were able to heal people because Jesus asked them to. Their faith was even strong in the feeding of the 5,000. But when it got to this storm, their faith began to sort to wane. And maybe your faith is strong this morning. You can believe God for your finances. You can believe God for your family. But boy, you're worried to death about your health. Or it could be the other way around, that you, 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 you're okay with your health, but you're worried to death about how you're going to pay the bills. Listen, our faith 
needs to be in Jesus this morning. So whatever you're concerned about, whatever you're worried about, don't forget the loaves and the fishes. Don't forget this principle that as you do what Jesus asks you to do, he will provide what you cannot provide for yourself. It's an amazing story, isn't it? They hadn't grasped that the spiritual authority had been given to them. They'd seen so much and yet really seen so little. And Jesus wanted the disciples to understand that he was going to actually go away to heaven and he was going to be reliant on this bunch of fishermen to take the gospel that would change the world and turn it upside down. And yet they thought they were all going to drown in the boat. How little they understood that God's greater plans for their lives. Some of you, I feel that you feel like it's, you know, you're in the messy middle. If you ever do any reading of any novels of any sort, you will understand that there, there is a, a lovely introduction to the book that sets the scene. And then there's a fantastic ending where the hero gets all the things that he wants to. But have you ever noticed that the middle's terrible? That they go through hell? Some of you are in the messy middle, but I want to tell you that Jesus is still with you in the storm of the messy middle. And he's going to see you all the way through. But at the end of all that, you see, there was something at the end of this storm that they did not bank on. Here's verse 53. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the Pope, people recognized Jesus. They ran through the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever went into the villages, towns or countryside, they placed sick people in the markets. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched him were healed. This is, like, this is like evangelism in reverse. You know, we beg people to come to church. This was not happening when Jesus was about. People were running to get to Jesus. We often talk about revival as if revival is the key that we're looking for. Well, reviving, revival is only reviving something that's already had and has died and, and we want to get it back to life again, you know. Well, some of us have never seen this in our lifetime, have we? We have nothing to revive, some of us. It's been, it's been pretty dull for a long, long time in church. We have nothing to... Re but I, I believe that God wants to bring out an outpouring of his Holy Spirit that will bring something fresh and something new, something we've never seen before. Just imagine them queuing down Bilson Street to get in here because the power of God is moving in healing signs and wonders. That's exactly what was happening here. And it didn't finish here because somehow they got over the fact that they didn't understand the loaves and the fishes and got stuck back in again. And by the time we come to Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4... The whole, the whole of the New Testament church were flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit, doing exactly what Jesus had been doing. And they were touching Jesus' garment and getting healed. And they were getting healed by Peter's shadow as he walked around Jerusalem. Isn't that wonderful? But we've never seen any of that in our lifetime, haven't we? I, I can't wait for a traffic jam down Bilston Street. That's got nothing to do with people going to school or trying to get someone else. But because they want to know what's going on in the house of God. Anybody standing with me and believing? This, this is the, uh, if you want to just believe for a, a miserable conclusion, you carry on. I'm, I'm going for something better, praise the Lord. As we look at the ministry of Jesus and we see him dealing with his disciples and trying to get them into faith and get them to understand actually they can't do anything. You know, without Christ and, and his Holy Spirit, we are, we are nothing. We can do nothing. But we're through him, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So when we look at... When we look at the ministry of Jesus, we see some very, very specific things here that we don't exercise in our day and generation. The majority of Jesus' ministry was in the marketplace and not in a building or in specific times. 
You need to understand that God is calling us to be witnesses every single moment of every day. I am so glad the pandemic showed us that our meeting times were so limited that no wonder we didn't get many people through the door or reach many people. I am so glad, thanks God, for the live stream and the internet, but also this new thought in our hearts is it's time to minister to people every minute of every day. In the supermarket, you can pray for the sick. You know, somebody might recover in the food oil. Do you imagine in the vegetable oil, somebody getting healed, all the carrots going up in the air. Amen. <laughs> Just imagine. Somebody rings up and says, Pastor Steve, somebody's got healed in the Asdrin Sedgley. Bless the Lord. Well, that's what was happening in the New Testament church, so why not? Not that they had the Asdrin in the New Testament church, however I know it. Jesus' ministry was always focused on people. Have, have, have you noticed that? Jesus did not have a youth group. Uh, did he ever survive? He never, had, he never had a Sunday service. He never had a worship band. You know what? He loved people. Uh, that compassion and eye for people, the, the miraculous began to, to flow. So, And also Jesus' ministry was never based out of him trying to create something apart from what the Holy Spirit was doing and saying. I, I, think, I think we've kind of fallen into the trap of looking around at other churches and going, that's a good idea. I don't care if it's a good idea. I want to know if it's a God idea. If it's a God idea, we'll do it. If it's, if it's, if it's a good idea, you can keep it. Because if we do a good idea, we've got to maintain it. If it's a God idea, he'll look over it to perform it, won't he? You know, so often we keep saying, God, bless our plans. I've told you this before. Bless our plans, God. If we just pray and find out what the plan was, he'd be blessed already, wouldn't he? You know. Maybe we'd be more like the church that Jesus wants us to be if we just looked at the rabbi's model, that prayer is a lifestyle. Jesus went from one place of prayer to another place of prayer. But in the meantime, he worked miracles. That worship is a lifestyle. It's not something that we do on a Sunday morning. We have three songs, one to finish. We're as predictable as everybody else, aren't we? We've got Pentecostal religion in here. I just want to get to the day where, listen... I stand up and say, I'm going to preach first. And, and you'll go, oh, that's strange. Let me start with three songs. But because worship is, nothing to do, worship is a lifestyle. You can sing all you like it and sing your head off and raise your hands and jump up and down. But it matters tomorrow morning how you worship with a heart. Sometimes when you're in the middle of a storm that you, you still give Jesus his honor and his glory. It matters how you worship when the whole family situation seems like it's going to pot and the whole hell's breaking loose in your marriage. It matters that you're still a worshipper of Jesus Christ. He's still worthy of all the glory and all the honour. And you don't need a band for it. And you don't even need the words on the wall. So prayer was a lifestyle. Worship should be a lifestyle for us. And ministry should be what we do. No, actually, it shouldn't be what we do. It should be who we are. We come to church sometimes to do... But it's about who we are every minute of every day. Isn't it wonderful? Me and Steve were at a leaders' meeting, I told you, last, last Sunday. Last Saturday. And there was a woman in front of me, and the Holy Spirit said, I've got a word for her. I was thinking, where's the buffet? I wasn't even thinking about doing a prophecy. <laughs> to a minister's meeting, what do you think? It was? Not nice, nice, nice buffet. I was thinking, when's the buffet coming on? Just... So you thought I was religious, didn't you? You thought I was a good pastor. So I was, I was not really thinking about prophesying over this woman at all. And so like the, the meeting went on. I thought there's going to be no opportunity. I'm not going to. 
I'm not going to stick my nose on. And then right at the end, you know, you know when you want to punch a preacher, he goes, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll, have, an, we'll have an open time where people can minister to each other. Like, oh, no. Go give this woman a word now. Well, you know what? God read her mail, and I dropped her a message in the week, and I said, my good friend Guy Hewlett from All Saints has left, and he's moved to Kidderminster, and this lady's from Worcester. Unbeknownst to me, she's the new pastor at the church in Worcester. I did not know. God told me all this stuff, and, I, and God said some very specific things to me to tell her, which was quite amazing. And uh, so I, I, uh, I said, I want you to meet my friend Guy Hewlett. So I contacted Guy and said, will you go and encourage this lady? She's only down the road from you. And uh, she, so... This, this lady said, oh, thank you very much. And that was the last I heard of it until Friday afternoon, just before tea, when Guy Hewlett rang me and he said, you know, a la- the lady you told me about that you wanted me to go and see, the one who's going to be the new pastor, she said she was on a training course with my daughter this afternoon, who said, you need to meet my friend, my dad, Guy Hewlett. And she said, my friend told me that. God is at work. He's setting people up. He has got people on the other side of your obedience. You have no idea what God has got planned. And it's nothing to do with the building. What I was trying to say, I went all the way around the houses to say this. That was not in a Sunday morning service. It was on a Saturday morning. But God could do that on a, on a Tuesday afternoon, can't he? He could sit you next to somebody in a training course at work and you can have a word and it could be a life-changing encounter for them and a blessing to you. So get your ears open. And don't think prayer is something that we do in a prayer meeting and worship is something we do in a worship meeting. Prayer should be a lifestyle, worship should be a lifestyle, and ministry should be what we do every minute of every day. Bless the Lord. I don't know whether you enjoyed that, but I'll preach myself happy, so praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. (laughs) Oh, bless the Lord. Some of you need a good laugh. (laughs) oh bless the lord oh the joy of the lord is our strength isn't it there's so much to crying about you you know if you want sky news you'd you'd end up just sitting there crying all day but god is on our side in the midst of this storm and every other storm we go through he's got his plans for us and he's never failed us we sung it yet he's never failed us yet didn't we last week he's not about to now stand with me would you let's pray I just feel again, just prompted, you may be that person who feels that accusation has come your way. I don't know whether it's work or at home, but you know, just surrender that to the Lord because he's got that situation. Accusation can kill you, you know, it can destroy a reputation in a moment. But we curse that in the name of Jesus, whatever that is. Father, I just pray over your people this morning, that whether we find ourselves in a place of ministry where we're enjoying it, where we're seeing you at work with us every day, or we're actually in a storm, that, Father, we will realise and remember the loaves and the fishes, that at your behest, if we will do what you ask us to do, that, Father, you will work the miraculous through us and in us and to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a final song. We're going to take up our tithes and offerings. Stack the first four rows. I got got, uh, contradicted last week. Four rows, five, four rows. Four rows, okay. And then Joe's going to come off. He's got a couple of things to say. Then he's going to close us off in prayer. So the Lord bless you. Have a fantastic week. Just keep on listening to stuff. Just Jesus on a Monday. Webinar Wednesday on a Wednesday. Zoom prayer meeting on a Tuesday. There's loads of stuff to be getting involved in prayer meeting on a Friday. So...